Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? February 6th edition of the Fightful MMA Podcast. I'm your host, Showdown Joe. You can follow me online via social media, social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Use it. At Showdown Joe joined today. Uh, usually on Thursdays, I'm joined by this gentleman, but he is stepping in on short notice as the current or the party that was supposed to join me today fell ill and may join me on Thursday when this man, managing editor of Fightful.com, Sean Ross Sapp, uh, steps in on short notice, like I just mentioned. Sean, thank you very, very much for stepping up, sir. Oh, no problem. Uh, finally, over this cold, almost over this cold that I got in San Antonio, and I'm ready to rock. I, I think we only have. 74 podcasts this week that's about it yeah we're uh, we're getting low this week yeah it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be frustrating uh to not to not do 80 per usual uh, of those massive amounts of podcasts how many are you involved with personally let's see i do five at minimum wrestling per week i do at least one with you uh then if there's a post ufc show i do that and then post WWE pay-per-view show. So this week I will be involved with eight podcasts. There's a post UFC one this week, is there not? Or am I missing something here? Yeah, I've got five. I've got this one today. I've got five wrestling. This one today, post elimination chamber, post UFC. So okay, gotcha. I thought you missed the post UFC. I just got lonely there for a second, Sean. You made me uh, just feel so alone. I'll be there. Well, speaking of being alone, uh, when you step into the octagon, it's just you and your opponent and the referee, and there were some interesting results this weekend. Uh, we can go through the actual card itself, the UFC Houston card, but before we do that, um, you know, there are some bouts that people weren't paying attention to. Some were exceptional. Um, in terms of where do you want to start here, I, I'd like to start with the Tisha Torres versus Beck Rawlings fight. Do you want to talk about the Nico Price or, or Khalil Roundtree fight? Actually, you know what? Khalil Roundtree. That guy there on the mic is fat. Talk about a humble dude. Yeah, if he could just win a few fights in a row, he might have something there. Yeah, you're right. I mean, but I, I'm just so impressed with him, the way he, he performed in this one here. And then on the mic, he just – just the humility. I like seeing that every so often. I like, you know, the, from on, on the opposite side when you've got your, your Conor McGregor's and your, your Diaz brothers. And then you get someone like Khalil. It's just kind of, you know what? 
just polite, kind, nice, get her done. Yeah, and the thing is, he was his back was up against the wall too because he lost that fight on the Ultimate Fighter. He lost two in a row in the UFC. So if he lost this one, and he's full of potential, Khalil Roundtree was a name that we had heard uh, many times before he made it to the UFC, but he had to win this fight. And uh, did he ever? He sure won that fight, and it was very close. Like He timed those knees very well, and it's a good thing that he did time those knees very well because Texas has not adopted the new uh, rule set yet. So anywhere else had he not timed those knees right and just like a hand would have been down or anything like that, then he could have been facing a no contest instead of a win. And maybe he would have been out of the UFC. So that's a big, big, big win for him. Absolutely. Uh, after he fought, Nico Price emerges victorious against Alex Morono. Um, that one only went two rounds. Your thoughts? That was a fun fight. <laughs> that was... Uh, Nico Price coming back after getting rocked a couple times by Alex Morono and then knocking out Alex at the bell. And I mean right at the bell. Not like he threw it before the bell and then the punch landed after the bell. I mean right at the bell. And given what we've seen in previous weeks, my thought was, oh no, I hope the ref stops this or the corner stops this because there were a lot of corners who would have just propped him up sat him on his stool for 60 seconds, and then had him stumble back out for the third round. Fortunately, that didn't happen. I was very happy about that. That, that opens up a conversation that you just mentioned in terms of what corners should do and shouldn't do. And, and sometimes we talk about it when, when something crazy happens. Um, like with the Donald Cerrone fight, he should never have been able to com- continue. He, sure. How he got past the doctor, or how he got past his corner, uh, and the doctor is, is, is beyond me. Uh, but sometimes, I mean, the corners know their fighters more than anyone else does, but a doctor's job is to ensure that this guy or girl does not move forward to the center of this octagon and continues uh, the fight, whether it's at the beginning of a round or in the middle of a round, whenever it takes place. Are are we not giving enough credit to corners, or are we giving them too much credit, and and something really needs to be done in, in terms of combat sports, because the damage that you take now may not do much, it'll catch up to you in the future. It's really a case by case basis, and Boxing is so different than MMA. Like you see the corner throwing the towel in boxing all the time because if somebody's getting pummeled on the feet, it's probably not going to change anytime soon. And MMA, if you get pummeled on the feet, your opponent might slip. You might land a takedown. They might miss a spinning back fist and get kneed in the chest. There are a lot more variables that go into it than boxing where it's like, well, my guy is getting the shit beat out of him. I got to end this now. In MMA, it changed. Look at Nico Price. He got rocked a couple times and then came back and knocked the guy out of the bell. They're, they're Pat Barry, check Congo. You never know what's going to happen from second to second. Uh, is that safe? I don't know, but it really is a case by case basis. There are some corners that are much better than others. It's really hard to tell. I, I think that, I think that we should put more faith into the corners. I think it should be encouraged more. Stop the fight. If you think that you're, your fighter is doing themselves harm. I think that should be encouraged more. Uh, not just in between rounds, but during the rounds. I think that should be, hey, what's wrong with throwing in the towel in an MMA fight? There, There isn't anything wrong with that. 
I don't think there's anything wrong with it, to be honest with you. But uh, there is ego involved. Uh, sometimes you know, they call it on principle. Sometimes they're just like, look, I throw in this towel. I stop this fight. Uh, I prevent my fighter from making a lot more money. There goes that win bonus. Yep. Uh, he's only going to get his show bonus or his show money. So uh, you know, a, a topic for another day, perhaps. And I'm, I'm trying to get Big John McCarthy oh. to join. Oh, oh, when, when we talk about Curtis Blades, Adam Milstead, it will be a topic for today. All right, we'll get there in a moment. Tisha Torres taking on Beck Rawlings. Uh, I, I sincerely thought, based on some of the interviews, Tisha Torres was halfway out the door. Uh, well, she proved us wrong. You know, you nailed it before. She did. You know, every one of her fights goes to the decision. This one went to the decision again. Beck Rawlings obviously flipping the bird uh, to some Yahoo in the crowd that said something. I wasn't able to actually fine tune or EQ my actual television to hear what that person had said, but uh, clearly it, it ticked off Beck Rawlings. She flipped the bird, but Tisha Torres does it once again, unanimous judge's decision. Yeah, good for her. Uh, yeah, I think I'm officially going to stop the thinking somebody has one foot out the door when they talk about retirement thing because I get the feeling that anybody who's had probably more than 10 fights in MMA is probably already thinking about retiring at some point. They probably already have that fresh in their head like, yeah, I don't know how long I'm going to do this. But Tisha Torres is number six ranked fighter. I don't know if she'll even move up in the rankings. I, I, I personally think that she and Andrade should be there and probably Rose should be there above Carla Esparza who never fights. But I don't know how much this will, will improve her rankings. But I think the Felice Herrig – or not Felice Herrig, the Beck Rawlings thing, they, they need a 125 division really badly. I think I'm going to write something about that soon. But uh, she missed weight. And it's not to, it's not a big surprise. She's a giant, giant 115, and she would be a small 135. So she doesn't really have any other options. Uh, Tisha Torres continues to uh, do her thing. She she bounced back after that Nama Yunus win, and she'd been out of the cage for a while, since like April. So that's yeah. like a 10-month layoff. So good for her. She looked really good. Yeah, considering the time off. I mean, and again, she always does something uh, with her kicks that kind of just – Freaks me out and blows my mind. I think in the third round, she, she threw an, um, a high kick, missed, and spun back with a side kick. And I was like, who does yeah. that? Like, that is ridiculous. I mean, I couldn't even train that properly. She's throwing it in a, in, a, in a real fight. So good on her. Interesting to see where she ends up in the rankings. Not that Sean Rossap, yours truly, and pretty much anyone that uh, is, is a guest on this podcast cares about the UFC rankings or, or respects them. But that's the one that they use in the shows and the broadcast. That's the one you know most people are paying attention to, unless you're hardcore. There's a few other sites out there uh, that will give you much more uh, of a synopsis in terms of each weight division. Ricardo Ramos, bantamweight, he comes out victorious against uh, Michinori Tanaka. That, that was a pretty good scrap, no? Yeah, Ramos looked really good, too. Um, he was putting his combinations together very well, and... Uh, Tanaka is a guy who hasn't found a whole lot of success in the UFC. I think he's lost three of his last four fights, and he I, he I think he failed a drug test at one point. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he this is another guy like I mentioned earlier. Khalil Roundtree was at the end of his UFC leash. I think he's reached the end of that UFC leash. I think he's probably gone unless the UFC wants to run another show in Japan, which I'm not convinced they want to do. I know they're going to Korea, uh, of course, after this show, but. Um, I thought Ricardo Ramos looked really good. Uh, correction uh, to both you and I. It's uh, not Ricardo Ramos. It's Ricardo Ramos. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. 
<laughs> but I noticed other Good podcasts, they, were calling it, they were calling him Hamos, and I was like, all right, I'll do it. Why not? Yeah, I was even I'll when Bruce, Bruce Buffer. I even just screwed up Bruce Buffer. I just called him Bruce Buffer. But Bruce Buffer, <laughs> Bruce Buffer, even with the announcement. Well, now, from now on, I want to be referred to as Sean Haas Sap. Haas Sap, yes, absolutely. All right, Haas. Uh, Chaskelly takes out Chris G uh, with a submission with a rear naked choke, second round. Uh, good on Skelly, man. Yeah, that, the ground is not the place you want to be with Skelly, especially if you're Grootsmacher, um, who should never, who should get a new name, by the way. That name sucks. Uh, it's a terrible name to spell. It's a terrible name to live tweet. But Chas Kelly, man, um, six out of his last seven fights, and I remember he had that that anaconda choke over Maxima Blanca that was like a flash, just like you blink and you missed it. So uh, it, it's good to see him still succeeding. He dropped that fight last year to Darren Elkins and just hasn't missed a beat since then. But yeah. You don't want to be on the ground with this guy at all. You don't want to be locked up in anything against this guy. Just just steer clear. Because I remember before he even got to the UFC, I remember he had been a Bellator and a few other places, and it was just like as soon as he locked something on, the fight is over. Knee bar, choke, rear naked choke, a darse. It didn't matter. It was over when he locked something on. And uh, Hey, good on him. That's six out of seven in the UFC, and nobody's talking about him. That's weird to me. 17 wins, 10 by submission, 3 by KO or TKO. This guy's impressive. Oh, yeah. Start paying attention. Years old. 31 yeah. years old. So, and, he's got, and he's got a college wrestling background. That's, that's a pretty uh, diverse skill set for somebody that nobody is talking about right now. We should have some sort of thing on FightfulMMA.com. Keep your eye on and have like a rankings there because Chaskelly yeah. uh, officially belongs there. Now, you mentioned Curtis Blades taking on Adam Milstead. Oh um, you know, it, it, you talk about uh, – I've, I've talked at length with you about how much I can't stand you know, heel hooks, leg locks, anything to do with knee bars, anything leg-related. Um, I've got some staff that works for me for one of my companies, and they're, and, and they're, they're hilarious girls, and they're, ooh, they're always – whatever. whenever they think something is gross, they're always joking around doing this. Man, when I saw that stuff happening to Adam Milston, and that I think it was in the corner when they showed the leg or the knee and how red it was, I was like, oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vomit here. Oh, my gosh. So, um, Curtis Blaze, I guess you want to go um, – you want to talk about that and what happened in the corner there. But uh, floor is yours, my friend. Well, I want to talk about the fight first because, wow, Curtis Blades threw this guy around like a sack of taters, as we say in Kentucky. My God, like five or six takedowns in the first round, and he was just grabbing the waist locks, just shifting his hips and just slinging. Adam Milstead to the ground over and over and over again. And you could see Milstead wince uh, in that first round. And between the first and second round, I don't know. I don't know if he didn't say anything. I don't know if his corner didn't say anything. Um, I know that Flow Combat did an interview with his corner. So I need to check that out. Uh, but whew, maybe they just didn't know. Maybe they didn't know better. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up, but... I can't rough. even. I can't even think about it right now. My the visual that's going through my mind, literally, Sean is. Oh, I'm gonna puke. Oh my god. Well, here's the thing. Even if his knee had not been hurt before, it would have dislocated. It's still or dislocated at that point in the second round, because the way that his foot was swept out, there was no chance. Not a single chance that he had of keeping his knee intact. And and uh, Blades and Milstead, they were very friendly after the fight, uh, but. 
Well, even Curtis in his post-fight interview said he wasn't happy with the way he emerged victorious. But, you know, again, that's his humility coming in there. I've heard some really good stuff from him regarding, especially with uh, uh, Jose Shorty Torres, uh, who ironically trains with him. Like, you talk about blades tossing around Milstead. Imagine what he does to, to Shorty Torres, like with a finger. Just tosses them away. So, but there's always jokes, and you follow their Instagrams, you follow, see some of their pictures. But uh, a lot of good stuff is being said about Curtis Blades. He's a very humble guy. This, but when he gets in there, he's got a job to do. And speaking of people that had to do a job, Angela Hill coming over from. She was with the UFC. She did the Ultimate Fighter show. She goes over to Invicta, wins the title, comes over to, to take on Jessica Andrade, and Andrade defeats her in, in what people are calling probably, arguably, one of the greatest women's MMA fights ever to take place in the octagon. Um, I'm, I'm still sort of partial to you know, the Misha Tate-Holly Holm fight. Um, your take on this one, was it arguably the greatest women's fight of all time in the UFC and you know Andrade, who now claims that she is the Invicta champion and wants to take her belt and, and challenge Johanna Jacek, who Dana White basically stated will be next. I liked Duke Pennington more than this too, but this is very good. Um, yeah, Angela Hill, that's a story too. She went from being cut by the UFC like what, 12, 13 months ago to hanging with the number one contender for three rounds and refusing to go away. I think that puts Angela Hill in the top 15, maybe even the top 10. I would love to see her and Paige Van Zant fight. That would be, that's a good fight. Um, Andrade, man. And Angela Hill showed some flashes of brilliance too. Like she would use her footwork and range to kind of pop uh, Jessica Andrade. But Andrade is so overwhelming. It's crazy to think that she fought at 135 pounds. But she just overwhelms these people, backs them against the cage, then works at their body, works at their head, works at their arms while they're covering up their head. And this is a woman who used to eat 135-pound punches just for lunch. Just whatever, sure, I'll take them. She's fought some of the best there. She lost to a lot of the best there as well. But she was picking up some wins. She beat Raquel Pennington at 135. I know. That's That's so crazy. And uh, now, now she's beating everybody at 115. She had the title fight before this, then said, no, I need one more. I need one more. And that's admirable. That is very admirable. And taking on Angela Hill, a lot of people will think, well, that's a tune-up. That's not a tune-up. Not after her no. 2000. Not after her 2016, it's not. Uh, I'm very happy. I don't think there was a loser in this because Angela Hill's stock went way up as well. Coming off, I mean, when she was cut from the UFC, she was 2-2. Two and two. So that tells you about where she was in her career. Jessica Andrade is the woman to fight Joanna, and that's a hell of a fight. Because I, I mean, ah, oh, that's just a hell of a fight. That I mean, you like it? I love it. I love the stylistic matchup there, the technique of Joanna against the power of Andrade. But let's not let's not be mistaken. Andrade has some fantastic te- technique as well. Uh, I heard a lot of people calling her like mini Belfort or mini Cyborg. Stuff like that. I like watching her a lot. I like. I think I like watching her more than I liked watching Vitor Belfort, just because she cuts off the ring really, 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 really well. Like, like I said, uh, Hill was using her footwork a lot, and Andrade was like, "No, I'm not doing that. Get up against this cage." It was a really great performance. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that actually does sum up what probably went through her brain. No, we're not doing that. Get up yeah. against this cage. Very, I mean, very impressive. I just, I mean, 
I, I was asked this question on social media on Twitter if this was the greatest fight ever, and you know, will Andrade give get Jacek a challenge? And you know, the answer is obviously yes. I just think yeah, Jacek is still. On, on a different level than anyone in this division. And, you know, the, the rebuttal that came back to me was, look, she's been dropped. She got dropped in her last fight uh, against Godella, and I completely agree. So it got me thinking, and, and you know, I may be jumping the gun here. Uh, I may not be, because I've heard, I've kind of had this discussion before, never had it with you before. When you talk about Jacek, you do think of someone that's always trying to finish their opponent. But do you think she's kind of let off a bit and, and done more of a, you know, and I call it the George St. Pierre theory, because he's the first one to admit this to me, uh, when he said, when you're a challenger, you'll do anything possible to win that fight. This is your chance of a lifetime. One chance. You go one chance and you'll die in there. But when you're the champion, you've already had that chance. You just have to defend the belt. You have to do a bit more than what your opponent does to keep that belt and to keep that championship and to keep that those headlines and stuff like that and, and, and the extra money coming in here. Do you think yeah, Jacek has sort of geared down a little bit in their fights? It seems like it. It okay. seems like it, but you, you know, a lot of people used to say that about Demetrius Johnson too. And look at him of late, like not against Tim Elliott, but just knocking out people. He'll, he'll tap somebody out with one second left in the entire fight. Like we always see that. And then you just never know what'll flip that switch. And I talked about Andrade at one thirty-five. This isn't a woman who was like pushed out of the division for lack of success. She won like four of her last six fights there. So this is somebody that's going to be kind of tough for Joanna to put away, I think. Um, and the Gedalia fight, you know, stylistically, you want to talk about interesting parallels. Gedalia and Andrade, I think Andrade has, has, has at least at 115, has had better game plans than, than Gedalia. Like, especially when I mentioned cutting off that cage. That's, that's, a, that's a thing. I mean, and if Joanna can't adjust her footwork to stay off that cage, she could be in a lot of trouble. Be interesting to see how that fight, when that fight actually takes place. I think they're aiming for what, uh, April or May? They need to. They need yeah. some fights this spring very badly because nobody's scheduled. Yeah. Uh, speaking of someone that may not be scheduled anytime soon, uh, have we seen the last of Anthony Hamilton? Because Marcel Fortuna uh, made fairly quick work of him, three minutes and 10 seconds getting that KO. Is this it for Anthony Hamilton in the UFC? They might give him one more just because he's a heavyweight and he's lost three or four, lost his last two, but he was one of those back and forth, back and forth guys before that. If I'm the UFC, I give Andre Arlovsky Anthony Hamilton. That's what I would do. I would book Hamilton Arlovsky, get the loser out of there. That's what I would do. But uh, what about that finish? Uh, and from a guy who is going to be a 205-pounder, he yeah. weighed in at 210 pounds. Fortuna did. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy – heading into this bout here, I don't think that many people gave him a chance because of that layoff. He hadn't competed in, in, in a while. And then he goes and does stuff like this, and it just kind of moves me on my couch going, okay, what did I miss here? What did I miss here? I thought Anthony Hamilton was going to merge victorious somewhat in the second round. Nope, Fortuna. And then, like you said, he weighs in uh, you know, five pounds north or four pounds north of a division that he should be moving to, and you know he's going to be going there. And you know, it could be some interesting blood in this division. But talk about interesting blood, new blood at 205 pounds, Vulcan uh-huh. Uzdemir. Okay? This guy, no one had heard of him. 
Okay, he takes a fight with OSP number six in the world on two weeks' notice. One of those weeks is basically designed to cut weight. So you've got one week to really train for OSP, despite the fact he was training for a heavyweight fight in Titan. He comes in out of nowhere. No one's basically ever heard of him and takes out the number six guy via split decision. I mean, your thoughts on that scrap? My thoughts are that we are <laughs> we are one Daniel Cormier knee injury away from having Shogun Hua in an interim title fight <laughs> based on the state of this division. That's what I think. Uh, a lot of people had a problem with the decision. I didn't. I want as much chaos in that division as possible when the UFC's letting Ryan Bader walk out the door and letting Misha Serkinov walk out the door. Hey, you reap what you sow. And the thing about Ovin St. Pru, and I think I mentioned this on last week's podcast, John Jones said that Ovin St. Pru was really hard to study because not even Ovin St. Pru knows what he's going to do next, much less him. So Volkan was just like, yeah, whatever. I'll say this. Lady Gaga had better cardio at the Super Bowl halftime show than these two did in their fight. <laughs> like, by that, by the middle of the second round, they were both sucking wind. And Volkan, maybe a little more understandably so. He was, a, he was a late replacement. But hey, you know what? Throw him in that top 15. Who, who we got in there? Is, is Yeah. Nogueira's still in there. So, hey. You never know. But that's a big that's a big win for Volkan, even though if you were to pull up St. Prue's record and say, hey, this is the guy that got beat, you'd be like, yeah, I believe that. He's lost three in a row, four of his last five. The one guy he's beaten in that is Feijiao. Yeah. At this point, at this point, Joe, I'm pretty sure we could tap out Feijiao if if we if we tried hard enough, if we if we drank our beet juice before the, the match. But there's nothing, there is really nothing since I think Shogun that I look at from St. Prue and I'm like, okay, that's a top five fighter, top 10 fighter, like he has been ranked of late. It's, it's just that, that weird UFC ranking system, which I like to bitch about an awful lot. But you know what? Hey, if that, that helps build a name for Volkan, cool, whatever, sure. Well, if you look at, at the options for Vulcan right now, you look, you look up, up and down this division here. Uh, he took Krylov. Up the, the, Krylov. I, I, I knew you were going to say Krylov. That could get really interesting because Krylov is coming off that loss to, you know, Serkinov, who's not with the UFC at the moment, uh, and Bader. I mean, even Dana White said Ryan Bader would, you know, Bellator would be great for Ryan Bader. Um, He's a wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. But the I UFC <laughs> likes to do that now. That, now. I was talking to my friend, the Krylov fan, and he was like, you realize the common theme here. Like, it's Ryan Bader, wrestler. Yushin Okami got let go. He's a wrestler. John Fitch, wrestler. Jake Shields, wrestler. There there are some exceptions. Like, Ben Henderson didn't finish fights either. He wasn't finishing fights. Okay, you should have kept him. Rory McDonald used to have some boring fights. Like, he can have some boring, boring fights. I still think they should have tried to hold on to him, but man, they're they're letting an awful lot of like, mar- I mean, top five guys go. This wasn't happening two years ago. I don't know how to feel about this. Like, I don't I know whether just to be ask excited you, or not. What is happening here? What? Where is the method to the madness here? I can't figure. I it mean, out. You, me either. It's it's. Here's the thing, Joe. They've been getting away with underpaying these guys for a long time. I don't know if it's a, if it's the, the idea that 
well, if we pay this one, we got to pay them all. Well, if you don't pay some of them, you're not going to have any to pay. Because like I said, Viacom may just go into Ted Turner mode and say, we got the money. We'll pay them all right. If we if we break even or make a little bit of money and get some eyes on some other Spike TV programs, whatever. Viacom is, one of these days, they're going to wake a sleeping giant. One of these days, that's going to happen. And Viacom's just going to go, you know what? We're going to go all in on this MMA thing. So let me ask you this about a, a guy... Uh, let's analyze Ryan Bader real quick from a UFC perspective. You're in a board meeting with the UFC. You're determining who to keep, who to get rid of. And you look at Ryan Bader and you think to yourself, well, he's still got some something left in that tank, but he's never going to be a champion here. Is he too much of a problem for up-and-comers that may be a champion one day? What's the point of putting them against Ryan Bader when Ryan can probably take them out, get rid of this guy? He's a wrestler. Uh, it's not that his personality wasn't able to sell fights because when he's having that feud with Daniel Cormier, I was loving every single minute of it. So I was ready does- for him to get a title fight. I was ready for a Bader versus Cormier title fight. They made he Ryan Bader and Daniel Cormier made me interested in Ryan Bader, and they didn't capitalize on it. That wasn't his fault. That was their fault. 100%. I agree. I, I mean, I was ready for that fight, especially at that post-fight press conference. You're also talking about a guy who won the Ultimate Fighter. So he is technically their product. They helped build this guy through a television show. Uh, you know, they did match him up against John Jones. I was actually looking at that uh, behind me. Those are all my – or not all of them, but most of the UFC events that I covered um, – and I thought, oh yeah, that's right. I was there for the for the Ryan Bader and, and and John Jones fight. I remember that one doubt. That was a clash of contenders, and what was happening. I was like the like the two top guys in the division. But you got to be thinking, what's going on right now? Or is it a situation where Bader simply knows Mr. Sean Hossap that hey you or hey UFC Bellator is already offering me this amount of money. What up? I w- if I were Ryan Bader, I would take the money, and then every interview I did, I would be like, yep. I'm the guy the UFC didn't want to win the title. I'm the guy that Daniel Cormier ran from, whether it's true or not. You plant that in somebody's mind. They take a look at the history. They take a look at the facts. And you will convince a few people. You can convince a few people of that. Now, here's the thing. Like Phil Davis, another guy that got left. He's a wrestler. Wrestler. <laughs> King Mo has never really – there's never been major UFC interest there. Well, why? He's a wrestler. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. And now here's the thing. I don't know if Bellator really wants to develop a roster full of wrestlers, but maybe they do. Maybe they don't care because who have they went out and got? They went out and they've signed Tyrell Fortune, who ironically is finishing fights everywhere that he goes now. They scout wrestlers. They like I think Didn't they get Aaron Pico too? They got, they've gotten a lot of wrestlers. Yeah. They, they are all on board scouting wrestlers and getting them early. So maybe they don't have a problem with it. Maybe they want to cater to a different audience. But they, they do cater. They cater to a really technical audience in that sense. They're getting a lot of the amateur wrestling fans. But then they're, they're getting the, the casuals too. This light heavyweight division, it's crazy. We got to this off of Ovent St. Pru and Volcon. But hey, it might not be too long before Ovent St. Pru is fighting in Bellator given his record and whenever his contract expires. So, hey, who knows? Moving on. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. James Vick taking on Abe Trujillo. And you talk about guys whose gas tanks sort of went south on them uh, heading into a third round. Uh, Abe Trujillo and then gets, you know, James Vick notices it, throws the jumping switch knee, uh, and then it's lights out from there. And it was one of those fights, again, Sean, that, you know, I, I've talked about this with Elias and Pearson and, and other guys as well, where you just know how much heart does this guy have left? Because if that choke was on in the first round, he will defend it. But now he's taking some abuse. Does he want out? And there's a perfect opportunity to tap out. I'm not saying he did that. I'm not saying the choke wasn't on tight. But James Vick pulls off uh, that Darce choke victory in, in, in you know pretty slick fashion, if you ask me. He's uh, James Vick is an underrated get- ground game. And like I said the other day, if Abel Trujillo says that a fight's not going to decision, for better or for worse, it's probably not. Because if he thinks it's not, then he's probably going to gas out early on and Either he's just going to give it his all or he's going to get caught. He got caught here. James Vick, another guy who not a lot of people are talking about, and he's won six of seven, and that doesn't even include his, like, three-and-one run in The Ultimate Fighter where he beat – where he, like, knocked out Darren Cruikshank, if you remember that. So oh, yeah. you you don't see a lot of that knockout power in in his latest UFC run, but – I thought it was good. He he said after the fight that his long arms kind of prevented the choke. Then he had to readjust and uh, and get that in. But that, that was a hell of a finish. That was a hell of a finish and didn't even get him a performance of the night bonus. I know. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy uh, considering what he did. And, and not, not many people are giving him um, much of a chance there. But performance of the night did go uh, to – Someone we'll talk to you momentarily about Chan Sung Jun, the Korean zombie. Uh, uh, Marcel Fortuna got that. And, you know, fight of the night was obviously Andrade versus uh, Angela Hill. Um, you want to close off your thought on, on James Vick, or can I move on to the co-main event? Yeah, hell of a performance from him. Um, and Abel Trujillo, that's that's a good win. That's a good win. Abel Trujillo had been on, uh, another guy who just – his only loss in the last, like, three years had been – Tony Ferguson? Okay. Well, he lost to the top two guys in division minus Conor McGregor, right? Yeah. Habib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson. So James Vick is in pretty, pretty good company right now. I'm impressed. And speaking of someone that's an interesting company right now, Felice Herrig, who had no business defeating Alexa Grasso, she was supposed to be in there uh, as a stepping stone uh, for the young Alexa who was coming off uh, a, a great start with Invicta coming over the UFC, you know, emerges victorious despite it going uh, to a decision. She was supposed to beat Felice, but no one sent that memo to Felice. No one emailed her. No one texted her. No one told her anything. And Felice says, oh, I'm, I'm going to fight. I'm going to do what I can to win this. And she won this fight. 
Uh, not in overly spectacular fashion, but you can make the argument she she won three rounds to one, two to one for sure. So good on her, and I don't know what's next, but she did say, hey, you know what? Uh, where's Watterson? Where's Paige? Let's do this. I think the world of Felice Herrig, and I'll tell you why. A few years ago, there were people that were like, you know, you know, there's always that stupid perception. UFC wants to push this person because they're pretty, because of this, because that's the only reason they get chances. And Felice Herrig used her body to market herself. And if she wants to do that, more power to her. There ain't anybody that should stop her or should try to stop her. That is her. She can do what she wants with it. A couple of years ago when she lost to Paige Van Zant, she was 10 and 6. And a lot of people talked about her like she was a joke. They really did. They they treated her like she was a joke. And she came back and she said, oh, yeah, we'll see about that. And since July, she has looked incredible. She took a year off. She didn't even know if she wanted to fight anymore. She came back and she's like, oh, wait a second. Let me, let me remind myself of who I am. I'm badass. I may be the best physically conditioned athlete. And I mean, she was on Ninja Warrior too. I don't think she did that well, but she went out there and just destroyed Kaylin Curran and then came out and did to Alexa Grasso what nobody thought that she was going to do. And I have such a, such a respect for her for that. What I don't have a respect for is Alexa Grasso's reaction after the fight. I'm shocked that she was shocked that she lost that fight. She was like, oh, what? Well, even after the fight, when the fight came to an end, you know, she's, she's walking around doing this. And I was like, um, I don't think you won there. You That's lost so that high fight pretty handily, lady. Interesting. I think this um, – She's 23. Think, she's going to get yeah. better. Oh, 100% better. I don't <laughs> think this deters her. I think this is a wake-up call for her. It should be. It absolutely should be. And if I were her – I would uh, contact Felice Herrig, and I would say, let's train together. I want to I know what you saw. I want to know what you did. Because I think Grasso is probably going to j- end up going to a bigger gym now. And I don't know where the hell Felice Herrig trains, but I think training with Felice Herrig is a good start, especially she's, that young. She's in Chi-Town uh, with my boy Jeff Curran. So uh, she is getting some good reps in there. And as for – I hear what you're saying. Maybe train with, um, with Felice Alexa, as long as – you know the drill, Sean. I thought Fel- – so no. Felice, Felice is with Curran or Grasso? Because I remember Felice being there. That's what I'm saying. Felice is there. Okay. Felice is over with, uh, with Jeff Curran up in Chi-Town. But what I'm saying is Alexa did her training uh, in Mexico City. Provided she doesn't have any yes men or yes women around her, that would be like, oh, everything was fine. Yeah, it's okay. You lose. You lose. No, no. You need someone to get in her face, give her a reality check, and say you lost this fight because. And you give her the list. You did this great. We're going to keep doing that, but we're not doing this again because this caught, this is now puts you back a little bit in terms of getting up there to try and ever get a title shot. Now you've got to do more to get there because one win after this is not going to get her a title shot, even though it's a division that, you know, it is kind of crazy because Johanna is defeating everybody that's put in front of her. But someone's got to get in Alexa's face, be, be real with her, you know, give her the – Hey, you know what? And that's a real sign in almost anything. Say George Cut's a really good example. What happened when he lost? he started to talk to the Diaz brothers. Maybe I need to train some jujitsu. He went out and he started to train with, with Tyron Woodley. And he's like, okay, I got to learn. I got to learn. That's why I have a lot of respect for him too. Hey, even in podcasting, I'll have people that will, people that will do shitty 
and they won't ask me anything. Then I'll have people who did fairly well, and they'll be like, hey, what do I need to change? How do I get better? She's 23 years old. She's got a decade to improve. And I did think it was funny that they tried to say, oh, the, the boom in popularity in the UFC in Mexico is because of this girl. I'm like, what boom in popularity in Mexico? Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything about that. Like, what what the hell did I miss? But uh, if they want it to succeed, she's going to be a big cog in that. But this is a big, big win for Felice Herrig. And Felice Herrig, back in the top 15, in my opinion, she should be. She better be. And that top 15, it looks better and better every day. Yeah. Look yeah. at it. Look at it from top to bottom. Joanna, Claudia, Carolina, uh, Esparza, Nama Yunus, Andrade, Torres, Watterson, Calderwood. Even Van Zant, Aguilar, Grasso, Panay, Lima. That is a loaded division. They came out of nowhere. It's like, here, we're going to do a tournament. Poof. Here's a great division for you. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's like Thanks, anything. Guys. Build it. If you build it, it's going to look fantastic. You just got to give it time. And, you know, Except it's for 145-pound women. Oh, you hate that. Oh, I hate what you're saying. Uh, well... <laughs> Give it time, Sean. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the main event here. Um, Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung returns after a 65-year layoff, uh, emerges victorious against Dennis Bermudez and people. You know, we, we talk about ring rust and cage rust, and I keep forgetting to mention one thing when it comes to cage rust, ring rust, layoffs, and stuff like that. That basically only counts when you get past two or three rounds. Okay, not in the beginning <laughs> round. Okay, in the first round, everybody's fresh. Everyone is great. Your timing is off. And listen, don't kid yourself, ladies and gentlemen. Korean Zombie's timing was off. His range was off. He was getting tagged, tagged by Dennis Bermudez. But this is the zombie. And the zombie continues to be able to take punishment at this stage in his career. And then he lands an uppercut that just was lights out for Dennis Bermudez. And I had to applaud him. I thought, fantastic. And then I started hearing about, oh, lay off this and lay off that and, and ring rust and cage rust. And I'm like, oh, my God, can you guys not just do the math or girls do the math? But is what it is. Uh, your thoughts on the Korean zombie, sir? That was special. That was special. That was unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, there was a sense, like, when they build this as the main event, it's like, ugh, Really? That's rude. Why would you do that to him? Put him in a five-round fight, his first fight in over 1,200 days. And those first few minutes, it looked like it was his first fight in 1,200 days. Then he knocks out Bermudez. Uh, I don't think the stoppage was early, like a lot of people are saying. I thought it was the right stoppage. And another guy, instantly top 15, run Korea, put him in, put him on the show, put Duho Choi on the show, reap the benefits. That is a big win for the UFC. That's a big win for Korean Zombie. And that was a special moment, in my opinion. Kudos to him. Be interesting to see who they, they match him up against next. Um, you know, you, you can go up and down these rankings, and and you know, at one forty five, it is kind of one of those divisions where it, it's a it's a head scratching division. But we'll see where he lands. We'll see he, where he lands uh, in in a couple of days once these rankings do come up. But there are options for him, and I, I me personally, you know, I, I'd like to see him against the Jeremy Stevens or Anthony Pettis. Um, your thoughts on who he should fight next? Lots of options because as I looked up and down those rankings, I was like, oh, he hasn't fought any of these people hardly. Like, yep. although that's really maybe a couple others, but Cub Swanson would be a good one, but I don't think that he's ready for a Cub Swanson. I would give him somebody 
10 to 15. Burrell. I'd put him against Burrell. That'd be a fun fight. Yeah. That'd be a super fun fight. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because Burrell needs a win. Oh, boy. Yes, he does. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's the show. Anything else you want to talk about that show before we move on to UFC 206 or 208? Excuse me. Fun show. That That's about it. Fun show. I liked it. All right. UFC 208. Lots to talk Sneaky about here. Sneaky good card. Sneaky good card. Except if you look at some of the... Uh, how do I word this properly, Sean? Some of the people that I've just decided, I'm done following you. I'm done. Like, you're just... You're scum and dirty and bad human being. You're ripped apart. Ooh. Just people in general. I just had to say... F off, F off, F Name off. Him. I'm, done. I'm done with you. Just negative. UFC stealing your money, calling this a pay-per-view card. You're a scumbag if you watch this. And, okay, I'm done. You're, I'm done. Yeah, I guess I guess like a dozen ranked fighters isn't good enough. Oh, God. Dustin Poirier taking on Jim Miller. Glover Teixeira's back. You know, Jacare and Tim Boach. I mean, Jacare should emerge victorious here. Anderson Silva. You know, yeah, Jacare, Jacare should. Should. Unless Tim Boach decides he wants to European uppercut him up against the cage 42 times like Yushin Okami and ruin everybody's plans. You never know what will happen. Wilson Hayes is on this card. He was He's probably next in line for a title shot. Yeah. Jacao is on this card. He's second from the bottom as it stands, taking on Ryan LaFleur. Ian McCall, who has an opponent, doesn't ah, have an opponent, has it. Not so fast. Not so fast. It's still Monday. There's yes. plenty of time for this fight to get canceled. Why are we destroying his karma? I feel so bad for this guy. <laughs> Love Ian McCall. As it stands right now, he's taking on Jared Brooks. Uh, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a blue collar, bring your hammer and, 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 and just your, your toolbox fight here with Nick Lentz and Islam Makachev. I mean, that's uh-huh. going to be a stupid fight. And I can't wait to see those two guys. I just, that's just going to be like the amount of bruising on their bodies when this one is going to be done is going to be fantastic. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Uh, do you, do you remember when Nick Lentz was the guy that people said Conor McGregor was afraid to fight? <laughs> yes. <laughs> By him and Cole Miller. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're uh, right. You're right. And my boy, Bilal Muhammad's on this fight taking on Randy Brown now. Yeah, this card has seen some changes, but it's a good card. It's a really good... And see, the thing is, a lot of people either don't know some of these people or haven't cared to know them. But I'm looking up and down this show. I don't even know if they finalized the pay-per-view portion of the show yet. Like, let me let me look. We no, haven't they talked haven't. about the main event yet. They they don't even have the the they don't even have the lineup set. <laughs> like, what's going to be on pay-per-view? For all we know, Holm versus Durandamy might be the fight pass main event considering how dumb they schedule some of these. But that main event, that main card, every every single fight has somebody I'm interested in. Then on that Fox show, it should have at least two or three fights that are going to be bangers. And then the uh, fight pass should have just what's left over, you know. But they'll throw something good on there. These are good fights. And, you know, a lot of people aren't going to pay 60 bucks to watch them, but – Wilson Hayes is the number five guy, and people don't even know that he's on this show. Wilson Hayes was supposed to fight for the title last year, and probably will if he beats uh, Oka Sasaki. Uh, Ian McCall is maybe the cl- – well, technically he is since um, Demetrius Johnson went to flyweight, the closest anybody's come to beating him, reaching a draw with him. 
he's fighting on this show against a guy who's undefeated. And as we found out last year with a guy named Lando Venata, you yep. can't take anything for granted. Ian McCall's hands are made of like sand right now. Like he said, if I break my hand again, I'm done. I'm gone. There are a lot of storylines on this show that people just aren't aware about or just don't know about. And especially in that flyweight division, this is a big, big, big flyweight card uh, with those two fights in particular. Sneaky good card. Uh, Sneaky is what a certain Dustin Poirier is going to have to be against Jim Miller because to finish Jim Miller, uh, unless you're landing some high kicks or can get behind his back fairly quickly, it's going to be a challenge because Jim Miller is going to push the diamond for 15 minutes, and it won't be pretty for Dustin Poirier unless he can get off some of that magical stuff he had prior to that uh, Michael Johnson fight. I mean, uh, th- this is going to be a good scrap. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this just to see if, if Dustin can, can figure out Jim Miller within 15 minutes. Dustin Poirier is, like, really good at power striking from range, but he doesn't have as much range on Jim Miller as you would think. Like, when I think Dustin Poirier, I think a pretty big dude, but I'm thinking of him a featherweight. He moves up, and Jim Miller, who always seems like one of those small, compact, like Clay Guida type that stays hunched over, and they're close to the same size. This is going to be a great test for Dustin Poirier, uh, who has been tested over and over again, but he lost to Michael Johnson, got KO'd. I don't think he has to worry about that with Jim Miller, but on the ground, that's a big concern. Now, Jim Miller has a lot of concerns here, too. But Jim Miller, after he went on a streak where it looked like he would be gone a year, 11 months ago, I thought he was done. thought he was cooked after he lost to Diego. thought he was done. Now, I'll come back and I'll beat Gomi, Lozon, and Alves. Three just grizzled vets. Grizzled vets. Speaking of, Thiago Alves, who showed up in a completely different weight class than him. And he was like, nah, I'm just going to beat his ass. How about that? <laughs> okay. Cool. That's That's... Dustin Poirier, Jim Miller is a fight where neither one, I don't see either guy ever contending for a title, but that is an absolute pay-per-view fight. The return of Glover Teixeira, he's taking on uh, Jared Cannonier in, 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 a, in a weird sort of matchup in my opinion, but you can make the MMA math argument that this makes perfect sense for both of these guys. Yeah, Cannonier's the top 15 fighter now since everybody left the UFC, but hey, we, you never know who that guy will. You'll never know who the next Houston Alexander will be that will just come <laughs> through and crack somebody. And the type of knockout that Glover Teixeira experienced against Anthony Johnson, you'll hear Conor McGregor say this a lot. And if you look back at who Conor McGregor's faced, he, he ain't wrong because the people either aren't fighting anymore or fell off a cliff or just aren't the same. That might be a life-changing KO that Glover Teixeira experienced at the hands of Anthony Johnson. It was one of the craziest I've ever seen. So who knows how he'll be after that? Who knows? Um, The people that Glover's beaten, Rashad, who is not the Rashad Evans we know, Patrick Cummins, where the, the blueprint to beat him is touch him on the face and he'll probably lose. And Ovin St. Preux, who we've, we've talked about a lot. He's he's faced a lot of guys who are either past their prime or really, really unrefined since since he lost to Jones and Davis. Cause maybe maybe the Jones injury 
was a career changer too, but he's had some very favorable matchups that he's won since then. We don't, I don't know that I know enough about Jared Cannonier at this point to say, well, he can or can't get it done, but he's a guy who fought at heavyweight and didn't see out two Oh five and was on the ultimate fighter fight of the night performance. You know, it's, it's it, like you said, I, I like the analogy you mentioned about the Houston Alexander. You just never know. You just don't know. And especially after that, that rumble knockout might be a life changer. All right. You mentioned Hollow Jacare Souza. Yeah. He's a minus 500 favorite. He should be. Versus Tim Boach. And I'm a firm believer that I like those odds. I just don't think Tim Boach right now is on the same level as Jacare. And I think it could get ugly. But I also thought it could get ugly with Jessica Andrade and Angela Hill to the point where I wrote in my article, pick a finish because she's yeah. going to finish her. Oops. So it's MMA. Tim Boach can give me another oops against Jacare, although I don't believe it's going to happen. Well, to be honest, I didn't think that Boach was on the level with Josh Saman or Rafael Natal anymore either. And they gave these guys Boach as a bounce back fight. And he said, no, thanks. I'm going to beat him. Yushin Okami, the guy, I'll never forget that. That's one of the most unbelievable comebacks in the history of sports. Not even I was there for that in person. It was to my left Four. when it happened. Oh. I mean, he literally did William Regal European uppercuts. He posted him up against the cage and hit European uppercuts underneath his arm. Unbelievable. But Jacare is he's just biding his time till he gets until he gets his fight. Till he gets his win. And he should have beaten Romero. At this point, he should be on like a ten fight winning streak, something like that. He beat Gegar Musashi. He beat he beat he beat Okami. He's just got to stay active and keep winning fights. And I think he's going to win this fight. He'll probably I still think that. Go ahead. That Jacare Romero fight is one of the most underrated fights ever. People don't give that fight the respect it deserves, especially for Souza, who took an absolute s h i t kicking at one point even had the submissions and all you saw was Romero do that, you know, Pearson and, and a couple of my friends, we call it the dog where it's like you're trapped and you give that whoo, sort of just pull and then just go in and just pound the guy. And it was, you just saw it. Whoo, he just would pull it out and just do what he has to do against, up against Souza. So that fight there showed for me, Souza's a tough SOB. And despite not emerging victorious, this guy's up there for the best from the best with the best at 185 pounds. I just don't think, like yep. I said, Tim Boach, um, yeah, it's MMA, Sean. We all know anything can happen. And speaking of the best of all time, greatest of all time, Anderson Silva, a guy right now we just don't know who's going to show up, which Anderson Silva's going to show up, and now he's taking on Derek Brunson, and Derek Brunson's not a, a guy you want to – yeah. You don't want to play around with Derek Brunson. So interesting if Anderson Silva wins this fight and how he wins it and what – perception will be after this fight if he emerges victorious what by a decision with a spectacular vintage Anderson Silva performance or if Derek Brunson takes him out it's a very pivotal fight at 185 you look back at Anderson Silva's five straight losses and there are some pretty fair excuses for almost all of them almost all of them like leg breaking and messing around and jumping on top of the cage after you knock somebody down and taking a fight on a couple days' notice. But 
I think there's just as much of a question which Derek Brunson is going to show up. Is it going to be the one that fought Uriah Hall, Carnero, Alvey, uh, Herman, Brian Houston? Or is it going to be that scrub that showed up against Robert Whitaker in November and abandoned all sense of technical ability, that abandoned all sense of a game plan, and Robert Whitaker just, bink, later, see ya. Because if that guy shows up, then you're facing one of the greatest counter-strikers in the history of the universe in Anderson <laughs> Silva. And at 42 years old, he's still got enough to put you away. Ask ask your boy, Michael Bisping, how that works out. Because if that fight would have been stopped, I don't think anybody would have batted an eye. Hey, ask Daniel Cormier. Because he tried to engage at UFC 200. Daniel Cormier, God bless his heart was doing his best to make it a fun fight. And then he would throw a couple punches. He's like, ah, shit, this is Anderson Silva. Clinch. Down we go. Let's go down. Yeah. It really is a tale of which, more so which Derek Brunson shows up than which Anderson Silva shows up. Because if the crazy wild versus Robert Whitaker Derek Brunson shows up, this isn't going to be a very long fight. Main event. Do you think this is going to be... A long fight with Jermaine Durandamy against Holly Holm, a former champion at 135 pounds. A new champion at 145 pounds will be crowned uh, come Saturday night. Y- your thoughts on, on this one here. Will it go the distance? Because it does have the potential to do so, uh, but because they're both fantastic strikers, or will one of them be that much better and finish the other one off? If it does, I think that means Holly Holm's dominating the fight. Uh, because, gosh, I don't think Durandamy's been three rounds since since the Kedzie fight. Yeah. The Kedzie fight and Kedzie was really small and that was, that was bad. Here's the thing. Jermaine Durandamy doesn't fight that much, mainly because Cyborg's running around ducking her the all the time. But I mean, you know, it is what it is. I think she fought once in 2016, once in 2015. She didn't fight in 2014, twice in 13, once in 12. She just doesn't fight a lot. She's fought since 08 and has like nine fights. So Holly Holm, on the other hand, stays very active. Uh, at least, notably throughout her career, she she's been a little bit of everywhere. She's been to now her going late in fights didn't work out too well for her against Misha Tate. But I think Durandamy has what it takes to finish Holm, and I think Holm has what it takes to take it five rounds. But uh, I will continue to promote this as Holly Holm versus the woman that Chris Cyborg refuses to fight. oh you'll never let it go Um, she's turned it down twice yep twice at two or three different weights and durand to me how many women do you see saying i want to fight cyborg not saying i'll fight her i'd fight her i want to fight cyborg you see really one woman and her name's jermaine durand to me who doesn't change her mind all the time 135, yeah, I'll fight her. 140, yeah, I'll fight her. 145, yeah, I'll fight her. Don't want to cut weight? Sure, let's fight at 212 pounds or whatever you're at this week. That's her. Now, my question, Joe, that I want you to answer, what are they doing with this title after this fight? Exactly, exactly. What, what is happening? Will, will they even fly Cyborg into this event to challenge the winner? They shouldn't. They shouldn't. Right? It just, it's, it's an odd sort of scenario, but someone... Whoever wins this fight, in my opinion, 
Cyborg will be next, and something's they need to start promoting this thing eventually. And, and what if she's suspended for two? What if she's suspended for two years? Yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Then then this this whole division's a mess unless someone from one thirty five decides to go up to one forty five. Uh, calling me should take. Calling me should take. Get out of retirement. Come fight. Um, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? She could have been here. a 125-er, though. I don't want to see her at 145. That's true. Yeah, but if, if Holly Holm wins, Misha might be like, hey, I'll fight her. Yeah, she might. But like, her. here's, the th- here's my thing. If she's suspended for a year, depending on what she ta- she takes, I think they, they book another 145 title fight and no 145-pound contender fights. It'll be like an all-stars division. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. It's, totally the, it's the we just won't cut weight division. They might as well call it the UFC women's super fight title. They should. Um, and they'll have one fight, and then the winner of that will fight Cyborg when she comes back. If it's two years, scrapped. Get rid of the title. Go away with it. Build that 125 division. Yeah. I'm excited for the show, though, Joe. I definitely am. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun Saturday night. Uh, some good scraps, and these are the types of shows that you look forward to, and then some craziness happens because of the various storylines. And it goes. It starts from the very first fight there with Felipe Nova going all the way up to that main event. So lots for you and I to talk about uh, after this pay-per-view event. Before I let you go, Mr. Sean Hossap, uh, anything you want to uh, mention to the viewers that are tuned in right now and those that will be tuning in a little bit later on? Guys, we extended our Fightful t-shirt sale, $15.99, prowrestlingtees.com slash Sean Ross You can see the link on Fightful.com under that post. We've got our brand split, as always now, uh, FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulMMA.com, Fightful.com. Hey, it's working out. I'll say that much. I see the numbers. It's working out. We have uh, the best in MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing coverage, whether it's live coverage, interviews, exclusives. If you all haven't ever been to Fightful.com and you've got these habits of going to other sites, break those habits. We break news too. Go to our exclusive section under each of them, wrestling, MMA, boxing. See some of the stories that we've broken that maybe other sites haven't even picked up on yet. And, of course, follow us at Fightful Wrestle, Fightful MMA, and Fightful Online. Boom. There you have it. And make sure you follow at Sean Ross Sapp on social media as well. Uh, he's got odd pictures up on his Instagram, which kind of make me laugh. But it is Sean. He's showing his personality. Yours truly tries to keep things professional and throw some odd stuff in there, some motivation every so often. But follow yours truly at Showdown Joe on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. For now, thank you to those who are watching live and to those tuning in later on. Thank you as well. Hope you guys have a wonderful day. Tomorrow, Elias Theodora will join me at 3 p.m. Eastern for the Fightful MMA podcast. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.